0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Wycliffe Mission Partner, David Blackman. day, everyone, my name's Tim, I'm the Senior Minister here, and uh, it's a great privilege to have with us tonight, uh, David Blackman. Let's uh, put our hands together and welcome David. Thank you. David's David's come all the way from Alice Springs uh, to be with us. Um, Look, as a a church, just a bit of background as a church, we believe that uh, the good news of Jesus uh, is something to be shared with everybody. Uh, Mm. We're committed to doing that in our local area. Uh, but we also recognise that God's plans are way bigger than just what's happening locally here. He, he's got a love for the entire world and all the peoples of the world. So as a church, we're committed to mission everywhere. Uh, and of the money that we receive that is given by our church members, we give 15% away to support mission in various different places around Australia and around the world. Uh, And so we have a a, a number of mission partners, and and David, with his work with uh, Wycliffe Australia, uh, in work of Bible translation, is one of our mission partners, and it's great to have him with us. So, David, you were... um you first came to St John's back in 1990, 1990, and most of this building didn't exist back then. Well, that did. <laughs> that bit did.
1: I'm not that old,
0: <laughs> but it didn't go didn't go uh, beyond beyond mm-hmm. that. Uh, people in this room weren't born in 1990 Is that when possible? you came here. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and the last time you came and visited us here at St John's was in. 2013.
1: January 2013. I wasn't
0: even here when you yeah, last came you here go. at the start of the year in, in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great to have you back with us uh, and sharing a bit of the work that you're doing. Good to be here. So uh, David, your uh, the focus of your work is with the Aliawara people, first attempt tonight, tr- uh, pronunciation correct, mm-hmm. um, uh, in Central Australia. So it would be just be helpful, just a bit of background, tell us a, a little bit about the al people, where, where would you find them in Australia a- and tell us uh, a bit about them.
1: Let's move through the next slide before we go any further, um, or perhaps even the one after that. <laughs> there, that one, yeah. Um, there are about a dozen languages spoken in Central Australia, so you can hear any one of those on the streets of Alice Springs, or all of them. Uh, very confusing for people who work in the hospital. So the Aliawara country is on that map there. If you see a uh, triangle from Alice Springs to Tennant Creek across to Mount Isa, so Aliawara people are scattered over that area. Their traditional country is right in the middle of that triangle. And we worked in a place called Epinara. That's a a cattle station out there. So the Aliawara people number about 1,800, which actually is quite a big group for a desert group. There are two other languages that are bigger, but that's reasonably large.
0: <laughs> yep. And um, is there, like, what sort of people are they compared to other uh, Aboriginal people groups? Are sort of differences that you might note? There are th-
1: differences. It's a bit like if you think of the characters of the different cultures of Europe or of Asia or anywhere. In Central Australia, the different language groups all have their... Characteristics and the Aliawara are the most retiring, the most shy of all of them. Uh, the other extreme is the Walbury, who are to the west, who would take over everywhere if they were allowed. And and they don't mind me saying this because they think it's funny. This is this is all this is local joke. So different characters, but that, that the Aliawara are, are shy people. So working amongst them, they're lovely to work with, but just very hard to get a response out of them, you know? Uh,
0: so, the so, David, your, your focus is uh, uh, with the al mm-hmm. um language uh, and Bible translation yes. into al So So, yes. tell, us, tell us a bit about the language. How does it compare with uh, English and, and other languages? How, we, how do you understand it?
1: Okay, the um, languages are in families, in two families in Central Australia. Language families are pretty common around the world. So in Europe, you've got two basic families. Well, more than two. But you've got the Germanic languages, English, Dutch and German. You've got the Romance languages, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese and and others, the Slavic languages, the Scandinavian languages. So they're in families. So the the... Western desert languages are in the western half of Central Australia and the so-called Arandic languages are in the eastern half and Alyawarra is one of those. Let's have the next slide, please. Uh, this is just, just stuff that happens. And we'll flick to the next one as well. Yeah. So, Aboriginal languages are written with the standard Roman alphabet. Some of them have special characters. But Aliawara doesn't, so we only have 14 letters in our alphabet. Don't need any others. That means that for English speakers who are learning to read the language, they have to learn new patterns of letters. And when they're learning to speak it, they have to learn to hear new sounds that are not present in English. So it is a challenge to learn to speak an Aboriginal language. Yep.
0: Yeah. And you were, you were saying to me at lunchtime today that al is is particularly difficult compared to some other Aboriginal <laughs> languages, that when you said you were going to be doing translation work, people gave you some very funny well, looks. Well, one,
1: one very experienced colleague who works in a Western desert language, whom I've known for 40 years or so um, from other contexts... Um, when she said, asked me, which language are you going to? And I said, oh, al And she said,
0: oh, that sort of oh. condolences. <laughs> I'm very sorry to hear because that.
1: Because <laughs> she knew that it was not as easy to learn as the language that she was working in. And it's just less friendly for English speakers, but doesn't mean it can't be done, of course.
0: So how many, how many non-Indigenous speakers of al are there? In I, th- Australia, I think there are about five. There's only five. You're one of five, <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. that work, yeah. So what about a bit of the history of the al people and in, yep. in terms of uh, contact with white people? Was that positive, mm. negative? How, how's it's actually
1: quite recent. It goes back to about the 1890s when the first settlers arrived, the first European settlers, they, they brought cattle and they brought sheep, of all things, and they brought goats, which is even worse, made a mess of the country. But the first wave of pastoralists were not always sympathetic with local people. In fact, some of them were downright brutal, uh, having been uh, veterans of the Boer War who couldn't settle back in suburban Australia. And some of the police, I have to say, in those days were the same. Not everybody, but, but some terrible things happened. And that sort of thing continued right through to the 1930s. And even today, there are just a handful still alive who remember that as as children. Uh, In fact, right now, I didn't say this this morning, uh, I'm transcribing some interviews that were done uh, nearly 30 years ago by the Central Land Council. And one of them, what I'm doing at the moment, is a a man who passed away in the early 90s who who was a teenager when, when this stuff was still happening. And his recollections of that. And it's... Quite horrifying to think of what happened so recently, and yet he's telling the story with no, no anger, no bitterness. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and others have been the same. Amazing.
0: So, David, tell us a little bit about the work that you've been doing. You have been working in this area since 1992. I have. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 a long stretch uh, from them to now. What 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 has what have you been doing over that time? What's it, what's it look like to sort of go in as a Bible translator, learn a language?
1: It looks like a lot of this stuff. <laughs> um, one of the privileges of being a translator is that you don't have to achieve anything for the first couple of years. You can just sit around and learn from people. That's one of the absolute privileges of our work is immersing yourself in a local culture and learning from the locals. Not just language, but how to find stuff in the bush. You'd never starve, really, if you knew what was there and how to find it. Yeah. Um, let's have the next slide, please. Uh, okay, then we'll leave that for a bit. Um, yeah, so that, so Christian ministry has been happening since the 40s in the Aliawara in the area. Uh, it goes back to when um, Aboriginal evangelists came across from the West, from Hermansburg, speaking Aranda, a related language. And then then the Baptists moved in in the 60s in the northern area, and people from AIM. So it's been a while, and translators began working, uh, translators from Wycliffe began working in 1972. And there were five of them over several years, but for one reason or another were not able to continue. So there was a gap of several years before I arrived. So there
0: was. 20, 20 years of work that kind of preceded your coming though, with a big gap of seven yes, years. Yes, and there.
1: there'd been a mini revival through the area in the middle 80s. Yep. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Arnhem Land revival that started off on Ilko Island right off the northeast tip of Arnhem Land. It started in 1979 and it gradually worked its way around through the Western Desert and ended up in our area six years later. Yep. Um, so a lot of people became Christians. So when I got there, there was... There was an expectation that something would happen, yep. so I was made very welcome.
0: So you immersed yourself in the culture. You got to learning and understanding and building relationships mm. uh, with the people. What came next?
1: Language learning. A part of. Some people think that language learning is a chore and something just to be, uh, to be got over, <laughs> but it's actually. It's part of the building of relationships. It is ministry. Language learning is ministry. The more time you spend actually learning to interact with people, the, the deeper the relationship gets. And if you make errors and silly mistakes, which you will do, uh, you can laugh at them later. And, and, and it's, a, it's a bonding point. You remember the time when I said, "Oh, ho, ho, you know, that sort of thing."
0: Have you got a funny example of a, a uh, stuff-up that you made in the um, early years that you could share with us? There is this?
1: one early, when I, some of the very early translating I tried to do. Um, I was reading it back and I misread a word, and it was a simplified version of the story of Joseph, when his brothers, in the Old Testament, sold him as a slave for for money. Well, the word that they used for money was Ngulch. N'gulch is little stuff. Rocks, pebbles. They used, they still use it for coins, although coins are not <laughs> worth much now. And I read it I didn't read when I read it back, I did not read Ngulch, I read Akilch. A kilch which is old lady. They <laughs> sold him for an old lady. They got an old lady in return. <laughs> and as soon as I read it, I knew I'd made a mistake. But they were too Polite, the the (laughs) ladies who are working with me, until I said, oh, I made a mistake, and then we all laughed. Okay, very
0: good, yep. Um, Music played a a part in some of the early work that you did.
1: Because there was this Christian foundation, there was a body of gospel music in Aliawara that people had translated themselves, or they'd written themselves. And so a very experienced colleague said you should take advantage of that, you should make a songbook. And so I collected all of these songs and I corrected the spelling and everything and um, put it out in a little book which gradually grew over the years and there's a, um, there's a copy on the display table out in the foyer. Uh, it's our biggest selling book by far, it's the songbook. And um, again, another great bridge into the community handy that I can play guitar that that is useful really useful uh, because I if I can sit down and work with people and let's uh, say right well, let's work this through how does it go let's play it and good fun uh,
0: and so what from there you sort of started with the songbook that showed that what the work that you're doing was sort of valuable uh, to the community mm-hmm. what other things did you use uh, as you moved into sort of translation of the scriptures
1: started off with um, a set of coloring books uh with, say, one picture to colour on one side and then the, a one sentence of language on the other with the English perhaps at the bottom in small print. Uh, anything to get people used to seeing their language in print. We even did bumper stickers, all sorts of things, just to get used to it. And um, so, and they, they took off. And some of our predecessors had done them also. And, and so I made some more. Mari, my wife, made a series of easy readers and... Um, aimed at the kids, but not necessarily. They, they were popular with all ages. And so we didn't get into Scripture straight away. Scripture is very hard uh, as literature. It's, it's quite up there. It's high level. We started off with simplified Bible stories and did it sitting in a group, writing with a small um, uh, whiteboard on my lap and then graduated to a bigger one, <laughs> Uh, that that's enormous that size of a window
0: yeah. so what's like what's happening in this picture here what's the sort of work that you're doing here with Kelvin?
1: so this is later on um, I found that uh, to work from a whiteboard was really helpful in teaching people to read their own language there's people who've been to school and who know their letters who can read some English and because I write very slowly uh, I may be a trained teacher but I'm not actually very good at writing on the, on the board so I do it slowly and that's just the right speed that they needed to learn to read their language. So Kelvin was one of quite a bunch of people who helped me over a dozen years or so while we lived out there. Let's have the next slide please. So this is how I do it these days in an office <laughs> in town. Uh, We moved from Epinara to Alice Springs some years ago when my wife passed away unexpectedly. Our boys were still little. So I now work out of an office and then make visits out Bush from time to time. Or I work with people who live in town. So Vicky, for example, lives in Alice Springs because she is on renal dialysis. And that's a disease that blights many Aboriginal communities, unfortunately. Uh, Her uh, her sister in the kinship system uh, was my first draft translator. She has recently moved back to her home community because they've opened a dialysis unit there. So I'm very pleased for her, but I miss her input. Yeah.
0: <laughs> how much of the Bible uh, have you done? How, how much has been translated?
1: Could we have the next slide, please. We have. Uh, Currently a mini-Bible, we call it, which is not a complete Old Testament or a complete New Testament. So it has 70% of the New Testament and 10% of the Old. And between me and the Lutheran translator, we have probably six or seven books and epistles in various drafts. At the moment, for example... I have four epistles in in different drafts that I want to bring to publication standard by the end of the year.
0: The epistles are the are the letters, the letters. that are written. So in that's the one part. and two
1: Timothy and one and two Peter. So they're not very long, but they're incredibly dense. Their content. Yeah. So that's um, the current
0: thing. And you've also done a, a dictionary. Have we yes. Got next slide one, please. So tell us about
1: the... Two dictionaries, actually. So this is the Picture Dictionary, which, again, my Lutheran colleague and I co-authored. This was part of a, um, a program that put picture dictionaries into a dozen languages of Central Australia. So it's all the same set of pictures, and we had to supply the words and a sample sentence for each one. And then we recorded them, and they're available on the publisher's website. You can click on the picture and on the sentence and you can hear it spoken. So this has been enormously popular in the schools in the Aliawara area so where kids can learn to read and write their own language. And then, next one please, the big dictionary, the full dictionary which has about 4,000 entries. It's been something that I've been working on for 20 or more years and it's finally being printed now as we speak. That's the cover on the bottom right there. Uh, looking forward to seeing that because there's a demand for that. Not, it isn't the Aboriginal people themselves so much because they're, they, they're pleased to know that we're doing it but they're not likely to use it themselves. But the people who use it are the school teachers, the linguists, the language learners um, and then the libraries and, and, and all of that sort of thing.
0: And people might not realise this with Bible translation, how this all of this other work happens around it because often like in this case yeah. it's it's merely it's a spoken language. Yes and it's the Bible translators who write that's it that's down right. and record it. Mm. And there's also a role um, because lots of Aboriginal languages have been lost. We've lost yes so many Aboriginal languages. Yeah. And I guess yeah. Al Yawa is at risk of being a lost it is language at risk. as well. They
1: they're all at risk to some extent. Yeah. They are at risk. So that's that makes it all the more imperative to finish what we're doing. Because even though uh, even young people are speaking more English than al their level of English is actually not good enough to read any commercial version of the English Bible, any of them. Which, as an aside, is another reason why we're actually doing a, a plain English version of the Bible as well. Uh, I'm involved in that on the side, so we are hoping to produce a mini-Bible of the plain English version later this year. So, I'll keep you posted.
0: And you've got some other resources yeah, as next well, I Is that please? the next slide? Where it's not just the written uh, resources. Okay, yes. So,
1: we will try to make audio recordings of every scripture that we produce. Uh, so, the Gospel of Luke was the first one I did several years ago now, and that has been very well received. Next one, thanks. Ah, okay.
0: Right yeah, to no, that. let's do Leave it. That. Let's, let's go back to the other one first.
1: So that's one thing I really do want to do is, is record every translated book of scripture that we have so far. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then On people can hear it, um, yes. look, play the audio. So some
1: people will not learn to read their language. That's yeah. just the way it is. So
0: yeah. the next slide, we're actually going to hear some al-Yawara. you talk us through it, David. How about
1: if I read it first before okay. we play the clips that are right? We've got the next okay. The next we'll slide, the next yep. So this is a little chorus based on John 3:16 that a bunch of us did at a workshop a few years ago. So it was me and three Aliyawa musicians. We sat down. We wanted to uh, write something that would be easy to remember, to to memorize. Now, as it turned out, when uh, my colleague finally translated John. Uh, it didn't turn out this way, but that's okay. It's the, the content is the same, just the words are arranged differently. So it says there, the first line, God, his son, his very only sent. Because he, us, strongly likes. We ought to think towards him, and we, or so we, forever, not dying, live. So, for those of you who have done some linguistics, this is an SOV language, subject, object, verb. English is this. The, the order in the which, order, which it happens. The preferred order, yes, yep.
0: yes. And when you're doing the translation, like I noticed there, because he likes us very much, yes. there's no word for love, or are you are trying to strengthen there is no word, word that exists? There is no word for love. Yep.
1: There's so you, no word for hate either.
0: Yep. So you have to make choices like that about how to get across the meaning All of Bible the passages. Time. Yep.
1: So our, our approach is to translate the meaning not the words. Yeah. You end up with utter gobbledygook if you just translate words. So those of you who have done a language at high school or uni, you know, if you know that if you just translate word, 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 you end up with nonsense, and that's just the same. Thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, David, what are some of the um, current challenges that you're facing as well as some of the joys that you're experiencing in the, in the work that you're doing?
1: Um, the big challenge is not actually living right in the language area anymore because um, I moved into town with our little boys. They were only three and five when, when my wife passed away, so they're now 18 and 20. Uh, I, that, that slowed everything down. I, my work hours were drastically reduced and so I'm now catching up. In the latter years of my career, I'm catching up, uh, which is okay, that's the way it is, but that's a challenge. Being a solo parent is a challenge. Solo parenting stinks, actually, but uh, that's the way it is. Um, and I think um, learning to adjust to the response of the Aliawada people, given what I told you about them before, and just reminding myself, okay, we just, we just go slowly with this mob, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 But there are joys, there are joys. And the, one of the big joys, and I, I said it earlier to the group praying before the service, is those who get it, not everybody gets it. Have you noticed that even in our own churches in, in cities, not everybody understands that being a Christian is about being in relationship with Jesus. Now, Aboriginal people, because they've come from an animistic background, it, they think in terms of what you do and what you don't do. That is what defines you as a Christian. So, I just, I'm so thrilled when I meet Aboriginal people who get it. And many of them do. The other joys are things like lasting relationships because of that time we spend immersed in the society. Learning another language and culture is such a privilege. Gaining insights, having... A job that actually allows me to interact with Scripture in depth, as as you do, you know. Um, because if you're going to translate Scripture, you better be certain that you've understood the passage. You have to do your homework, just like preparing a sermon. You that that's a real privilege.
0: And particularly, you know, because of the language challenges, you have to yeah, understand it to work out what's to. the best way to convey this, given the Absolutely. words I've got to work with. Yeah. In
1: fact, I end up redrafting the English. We call it a front translation, a pre-translation, I write it in Aboriginal English. There is a, It's a known language, by the way. Uh, um, Aboriginal people speak English in a way that is quite baffling to mainstream English speakers, uh, which is why they then don't understand us either. There are major miscommunications between people speaking the same basic language. Yes. So... Challenges, yeah. The other joy of living in Alice Springs, I love Alice Springs, by the way. We get a bad press, but I love Alice Springs, Um, is that our churches are a sort of microcosm of what is happening demographically in Australia today. So we see an influx in recent decades from countries of Africa, of Asia, of Central and Eastern Europe, even the Americas, and we've got all of them in our... Our church in Alice Springs. And every church in Alice Springs has has the mix. It's lovely.
0: Yeah. Uh, and lastly, David, uh, what are some of your hopes for the future? Under God, what would you love to see happen in coming years?
1: Uh, I'd really love to finish the New Testament. <laughs> um, I sort of tell myself I've got about five years before retirement, but everybody knows there's no such thing as retirement, so that's all right. You just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Finish the New Testament, so that's between me and the Lutheran translator. Uh, As I said earlier, make audio recordings of all scripture. Finish the Luke DVD, which I have begun. So we've done the the Easter section and it, Global Recordings are still mastering it for us, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. That will be very well accepted.
0: Has that got actors in Yes. It? Yep. Okay. If
1: you've seen the Jesus film, it's very similar to that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I would really love to see Aliawara people really getting into their scriptures, their own scriptures, whether it's in print or whether it's audio form or whatever, on a phone app, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and growing in their faith, um, growing in their knowledge of Jesus. So, yeah, to
0: finish well, that's the short short answer yeah. to your question. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, David. Um, Steph's going to come and read us a Bible well, passage. Let's hear the song first. Oh, <laughs> let's hear the song. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Country and Western rules, okay? <laughs> We might sing that as our final song, Miss. There you go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) uh, Yeah, good luck. Uh, Steph's going to come and read us a little passage from Acts, uh, and Dave is just going to do a brief reflection on this passage to close up.
2: Tonight's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called the Christians first at Antioch.
1: Thanks very much, Jeff. I was recently studying the ministry of Barnabas in the book of Acts because at home we are preaching through Um, a series on some of the early leaders of the church and disciples of Jesus. And looking at Barnabas, I was thinking about how important it is to have the ministry of encouragement in our churches. We need encouragers. We need people who will identify, who who will nurture, who will encourage potential leaders, who will come alongside anyone who needs a little... Guiding hand, or who needs a bit of um, support, who you know, they're doing it tough, and and I was also reminded of the people who have encouraged me in the years that I've been out bush doing what I do, uh, including people from St John's, of course, and some of them have visited us, which is just wonderful. Um, so that ministry of encouragement really struck me as I was looking at the at the life of Barnabas. So I chose that passage that Steph read for us, simply to give us a glimpse of part of his ministry. So we know a fair bit about him. We know that he was one of the early believers in Jerusalem. We first hear of him in Acts 4. So we know that the apostles appreciated him. They valued him because they gave him that name Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement. His name was really Joseph and we know too that he was a generous person because he sold a field that he owned and he brought the proceeds to the apostles to share with the people in need in the church we also know from acts 9 that he he first uh, identified the ministry of Saul who's later known as Paul and brought him to the apostles we know that Barnabas was sent from Jerusalem to Antioch to encourage and grow the new church there in that city. We know that from Acts 11 and chapter 13 and Galatians 2. We know that Barnabas was respected amongst the apostles and teachers from Acts 13 and also Acts 13 and 14, we know that he went with Paul on the first missionary journey and that the people considered him as one of the apostles. We know also from Acts 15 that he went with Paul to the Jerusalem Council when they were dealing with a, an issue of heresy about how much of Jewish tradition do you keep in the church. Sadly, uh, Paul and Barnabas had a dispute over John Mark at that point. But getting back to chapter 9 when when Barnabas first identifies the potential in Saul. Everybody knew that Saul had been viciously, brutally persecuting the early church and that he had been intending to do the same in Damascus. And you know the story, on the road to Damascus, uh, he meets Jesus in a miraculous way and he is converted. And so... When he gets to Damascus, he doesn't destroy the church at all. In fact, he preaches the gospel. And as when he comes back to Jerusalem, he wants to do the same. Well, not surprisingly, the church members were a little bit wary of him, having been beating them up not long before. So Barnabas, responding to the Holy Spirit, recognised in Saul what God was doing in his life and brought him to the apostles and spoke up for him. And the rest, as they say, is history. So that was the beginning of an amazing lifetime of ministry for the gospel. Uh, And it all began with one act of encouragement. And doesn't our church, wherever it is, (laughs) need people like that? People to identify and encourage and nurture potential leaders or anybody who needs building up. So we owe Barnabas for his efforts at nurturing Paul. We owe him for doing the same with his cousin John Mark. And they're just the the two we know about. Now Paul and Mark covered a lot of ministry between them. They covered a lot of ground across Asia Minor. They also wrote a large slice of the New Testament between them. So we owe Barnabas big time for giving us Paul and Mark. Not that any of these three was perfect, mind you. We know that from Acts 15 and Galatians 2. We know, though, we do know that God uses all of us. Warts and all, he uses all of us. Interesting, too, that as you read through uh, Acts 14 and 15 how Barnabas actually steps back. Initially Luke the writer of Acts is describing them as Paul, uh, as Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and then suddenly it changes to Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas the encourager steps back, his job is done. He is mentored a new leader. And it seems to me that encouragers in our churches are invisible as they go about their ministry. I've been interested to see a show of hands how many people came to faith because of the work of one person. You want to wave at me? A few hands there. Okay. It's often one person or, or maybe two. I believe the ministry of encouragement is probably one of the most important in our churches. In fact, I'd even say it's crucial to any church that is living and that is growing. And yet it goes unnoticed, unnoticed until it isn't there. I say that because encouragers are easily discouraged. If an encourager is criticised for some reason or other, chances are he or she will just withdraw. So we need to value our encouragers, folks. One gentleman came up to me after the morning service and he said, I'm so glad you talked about encouragers because I'm an encourager and I just love love it when people notice. (laughs) Um, That's great, absolutely the way it should be. Encouragement is a gift of the Holy Spirit and some of you will have it. So we need to value our encouragers. They're the ones who keep the church running smoothly, whether they realise it or not. And, more often than not, they're the ones who keep missionaries on the field in one way or another. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and the gifts that he has given to us as individuals and to your church. We thank you for the gift of encouragement. We see those in Romans 12 in that list. Lord, we thank you that you have placed encouragers in every church. We ask your blessing on each one. And Father, I want to thank you for the encouragers in this and other churches who have blessed me over many years. And I want to thank you also for the prayer and financial support that has flowed to me from St John's over many years also.